Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Haig for short, a housing group for older people run by old people. Present Raise the Roof. We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right, you're listening to Raise the Roof on 3CR. This is the Housing for the Aged Action Group show. Uh, my name is Fiona and I'm joined today by Shane in the studio. How are you going, Shane? Great, Fiona. That's awesome. And also Pam, who's joining us over the phone. How are you going, Pam? Hi, I'm good. And how are you two? Yeah, we're holding up. Relieved that the year is almost behind us. <laughs> yes, it's been a year, all right, yeah. hasn't it? I think our New Year's resolution should be no more lockdowns. <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be lovely, yeah. So, How about no more COVID? That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, even more so, Shane, yeah, for sure, yeah. So, um, speaking of the year, we're going to spend some time looking back on the year that was, 2021, um, and listening to some of the highlights of our previous shows and, and um, talking about some of the issues that we've covered on Raise the Roof. Of course, you can listen to the full episodes of all of these shows on our website or on the 3CR website or via the podcast app that you perhaps listen to. Um, so we might get right into it. So the first clip that we're going to play is an interview that we did with David Kelly from RMIT who was talking to us a little bit about the um, public housing renewal program and the impact on some of the housing estates. So um, we'll go straight into that now. Well, originally back in 2017, the government announced that they were knocking down 11 estates. Mm. Um, and that was all around the inner city um, suburbs such as Northcote, Preston, Brunswick. Um, and the idea behind that was that they would demolish the estate, free up the land for a public-private partnership between private developers and the community housing industry and rebuild um, at a mix of public, uh, sorry, not public, private and social dwellings. So mm. generally the mix is around 70% private, 30% social. Um, and the reason why they've done that is um, primarily to try and exercise the, the value that's imbued within the land itself so the government has all of these assets um, and they can't actually maximize the value of those assets unless they privatize them to some extent um, what we've seen is this renewal program in order to do specifically that sort of like unlock the hidden value in the land um, and as a result we've had uh, 1200 dwellings demolished um, from those 11 estates 
and we've had all them residents kind of moved around the city to various different estates or single dwellings um, or private rental and then the idea is that within seven years they'll return to those sites when they're rebuilt but they'll be returning to community housing not public housing so there's a few kind of different moving parts within the renewal program um, and what happened with the big housing bill that got announced last year was that a lot of the sites that were in the renewal program and then some previously renewed sites or, or sites that were scheduled for renewal got enveloped into this big housing build. And then we've seen this announcement of more sites like in Richmond and uh, Paran and Collingwood, where they're going to try and um, build more social and private dwellings on current public housing land. Um, so I think the flagship renewal program at the minute is the big housing build because mm. what they've done is kind of assembled the different moving parts that has been a broad renewal agenda in Victoria for the last 10 years. Yeah, well, this is Pam. Um, after listening to that interview, I went on site and I joined up on their website and I've been very aware of driving through public housing areas and looking at the builds that are going on around there. And um, it's, there are a few builds going on, and it'd be really exciting if some more happen. So you've been noticing that they have actually started building on some of the estates? Uh, yes, yes. Oh, that's yes, good news. Yes, yeah, yeah. Alamein, um, Astervale, um, and correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Because I think yeah. I think the website that you're referring to is the Public Housing Watch website that that's David it, yeah the, that David was mentioning. That's the one that David David mentioned that yeah. Yeah. And so the idea of that was that people could do exactly what you're doing, Pam, and and, and check out what's going on in their local area, and and then they can can you actually give the information back to the website? Is it possible for you to? Uh, no, I'm not sure about that. I should have a look and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I went to one in Nashville and I was taking photographs and everything, and some fellow came up and said. Can I help you? <laughs> I said, no, I'm taking some photographs, thank you. This is exciting. And just hop back in the car and drive off. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And, yeah, but I will. I'll go back to the website and see whether or not there is somewhere that you can put some feedback in. Yeah. Cool. Um, I wanted to mention, David, Kelly co-authored an article recently on the Overland website. Fiona, do you remember what it's called? Vulture mm. Landlords yeah, or something, something like, like this? That. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, or you could uh, check out the Overland website. Um, it's a really interesting sort of case study of the history of what's now Port Phillip Housing. Is that what it's called yeah. now? Um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, on this show about the limitations of community housing compared to public housing, about the ways that it falls short, you know, that it's less affordable, less transparent, less accountable. Um, this is a really great case study about the history of those, the, you know, the historical reasons why that is the case. You know, how yeah, organisations yeah. that started out with this great activist energy from the grassroots have become these, you know, not, not to single out Port Phillip Housing, but, you know, the sector as a whole, have become these quite ossified bureaucratic structures that are fully dependent yeah. on government funding and, yeah. you know, are, are not delivering for their, for their tenants or their renters in the way that they should be. Um, so it's a really yeah. interesting article with a lot of, 
like cool cool flavor and detail in it. Yeah. Uh, when Fiona said it, I said, "Oh, this looks very boring," but it turned out I was wrong. Fiona was right. Yeah. The last yeah. time I'll say that on this show. <laughs> it's actually it was actually really interesting to hear about how the kind of push for more affordable housing and public housing in the St Kilda area was resisting the gentrification of the suburb and really came up from the grassroots and then over time that um, as Shane was saying that that kind of community spirit was eroded but um yeah it's a great article and and david's been a regular on this show he's been on a couple of times um regular might be pushing it twice this year i think that's pretty regular um (laughs) we're also going to hear later on today from the victorian public tennis association which talks a little bit more about um the big housing build um but the next clip we wanted to play for you was one that we played in the middle of the year, um, which was an interview with Andrew, who's from, he's on our Committee of Management and he's also part of our LGBTI reference group. Um, and he um, has some very choice words to say about um, LGBTI older people and housing. Um, so we will go into, into that clip now. You know, in the LGBTI community, there's not a lot of conversation about ageing. You know, we hear tokenistic statements like we stand on the shoulders of people who came before us. And all I can think about that is get off the shoulders and walk beside them. (laughs) Because if you're standing on their shoulders, they're sinking into the quicksand of aged care while you're up there waving your banners. Get off it, people. (laughs) We need to be supporting older people. And one of the things about older LGBTI people is many of them have spent lives based on a very quiet and private independence. Mm. I can do this because many older LGBTI people don't have the informal supports that mainstream folks do yeah. because they haven't got the multi-generational biological family necessarily who are often the people who say, hey, mum or dad or grandma or grandpa, we think we might need to get you some help here or they're the ones who take them to appointments or they take them shopping or they come in and do a bit of cleaning. But for many older LGBTI people, those people simply don't exist. Yeah. Well, the first message I would give is to educate yourself about what is available in the way of supports for older people from both state and federal government and Mm. local councils. Don't wait to begin the process. Don't wait until you think, you know, or until you reach a crisis point. Start thinking now about how you want to stay at home and what you might need over time to do that. I'd also ask older LGBTI people to become a little bit more vocal. Absolutely. About specific needs mm. that differentiate them from the needs of LGBTI young people. I'd also ask the LGBTI community, young or old, to get off the shoulders of their elders, start building multi-generational relationships that can help provide the informal supports that older people need Mm. so that we can truly become a multi-generational chosen family. You know, what was really striking to me listening to that is that we often talk about housing justice on the show, but we don't often hear from people like what, what a vision of, a, of, of housing justice would look like. And I was very moved at the end there when Andrew was talking about, you know, a truly multi-generational chosen family. 
um, it made me reflect that, that, you know, we should try and spend more time like visioning the future that we want and, you know, not, not just uh, voicing our criticisms of the present. Mm, I think uh, that's although true. Although those are important as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I do think that, um, that you do have to kind of make a conscious effort to have friends of lots of different ages because you can kind of, I think there's another part of that clip, if you listen to the full interview where Andrew talks about kind of older LGBTI folk being brought out like museum pieces <laughs> and spoken about as if they're kind of, oh, this historical thing that happened back in the day <laughs> without any genuine kind of interaction. And I think um, that's something that younger folk have to be aware of as, as avoiding that ageism, I guess. What did you think, Pam, when you were listening to that? Yeah, look, I, 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 I think that, you know, what he was saying was absolutely 100% true. And, uh, and I agree with what, what Shane said and I agree with what you're saying. You know, we, we do need to um, spread our wings a little bit and have other friends in other areas and um, so that we can, uh, we've got this whole, whole, whole group of um, people that are, especially younger ones, that can help out when we need the help. I mean, I help out with people now. I've got friends that are in their 50s and their early 40s and all that, and I do things for them now, hoping that it'll come back in, you know, in time. You know, so when I'm older and I need something done, they'll jump in the car and drive me to an appointment or something. Yeah community real community and we yeah. we do it was really exciting this year to kind of expand our lgbti project that we've been doing um on the back of the report that we released last year and some of the words that andrew said in that interview were actually going to put make into a t-shirt because right. it's so funny the you know the visual image of people standing on the shoulders of people waving their flags while they sink into the mud exactly. of aged care we thought was a was a really good um idea for a cartoon and we actually have a, a cartoonist on the LGBTI reference group who's going to give it a go and okay. hopefully we will we'll be donning those t-shirts at Midsummer Carnival in January. He, he really yeah, had both the, the positive yeah. and the negative <laughs> visions to share in the, <laughs> the dystopia utopia conundrum but yeah. yeah so that's that's something really good that's come out and, of and 2021. And, yeah and on another note organisations aren't thinking about the LGBTI people because I've got two friends that live in flats in Richmond, and and the flats are terrible. You know, they're always complaining about the people and their neighbours and all this sort of thing. You know, why in a short public housing have got must have a lot of LGBTI people? Why not pick out the people that can live harmoniously together and mm. put them all together for God's sake? Yes, I, there's a there's a few mixed views on that one actually. Like some of the LGBTI folk that we've spoken to don't want to just be don't living with you, the, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's it's about yeah. being with allies and people that are, you know, um, not going to be discriminatory. I guess more so than exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So the next exciting clip that we you have, know, we should mention just for our listeners that we are still listening to three CR. We should Jane. maybe go to some community announcements here. Yes, eight fifty five a.m listening to Raise the Roof. Okay, great. We'll play some now. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. 
call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses' Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses' dispute in 1986 and the waterfront dispute in 1998, 3CR was always there, broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the Bay to Chicken Strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity. 3CR. Radio for the workers, by the workers, since 1976. Okay, that was some community announcements from 3CR, and that's 855 on the AM dial or via the internet. So I'm still here with Pam and with Shane, and we're listening to some of the highlights of the Raise the Roof um, 2021 shows. The next one that we're going to hear from is an interview that we did with um, an older woman who we refer to as the missing middle, although she doesn't refer to herself in that way. Um, that's Her name is Dee, and she is one of the people who have got um, a small amount of savings, which means that she's ineligible for the Victorian Housing Register, the public wait list, um, and that means that she basically has very few options um, in terms of her housing, there's very few low-cost retirement housing options. Um, there's certainly not very many options in rural areas, which is where she wants to live outside of the city. Um, so we did an interview with her and she had some really um, great things to say. Particularly the bit that we've chosen today is around the kind of humiliation of having to um, continually beg basically for government benefits. Um, so we'll go straight into into that clip now. I do think a lot of people are finding housing so really, really difficult in older age uh, because of sort of the government processes which are now in place, mm. which are, you know, that after 60 you're still on job seekers. You know, if you don't have a job, you're on job seekers. The employers are really ageist and they don't want, you know, to employ you, but you're on job seekers, which is a very small income to be on. You know, so you can't afford your decent rentals. And the job seeker itself uh, is really humiliating and useless job searches. You know, you're forced to make multiple applications to employers that don't want to know. Yeah. You know, and then you have to report to job providers every fortnight or lose that little, you know, tiny pittance of job seeker payment. You know, it makes you feel really ill. I'm not, yeah. It's, it's intensely stressful and demeaning. And, and rather than having dignity in old age with our pension, you don't. It's like being on parole but never having done anything wrong. Exactly. And I don't think that people over 60 should have to do this. Um, I think if we have to be on job seekers after 60, just give us the job seekers without all the having to search for jobs and having to fill in applications and having to report. You know, I'm sure the employers are as frustrated as we are, but they aren't as depressed and as ashamed. Mm. <laughs> but they should be. <laughs> I mean, I think, like, what you, what, the first thing that I want to say about that, sorry, I, I can barely get my words out because I'm so ready for my, my rant. The, uh, 
you know, older workers definitely suffer in specific ways under the, the kinds of welfare regimes in Australia. Um, I've often found since I started working at HAG that some of the most, you know, some of the, the, the hardest situations, the, the saddest situations that I come across are older unwaged workers who are receiving, uh, well, whatever it's called now, job seeker, um, but, but not yet eligible for the pension. Mm. Um, they're, they're suffering very severe age discrimination uh, in job applications, so there's no real prospect of them finding work, uh, and they're just subjected to, to very onerous mutual aid obligations and a completely inhuman and inhumane and understaffed and, and just useless uh, Centrelink bureaucracy to, to try and get their basic me- needs met uh, while they live in, in very substantial poverty. The... Uh, uh, I don't think it, it's just older workers. You know, Dee was saying there that, that people over 60 shouldn't be subject to these requirements, but I think we'd want to say that the, the welfare regime should be completely overhauled for everyone, not just for, for older workers. Um, you know, workers of all ages are being, you know, brutalised and impoverished by, by these systems. Um, I, I have some more to say, like going back to that idea of the missing middle, but did you want to speak more directly to what, what Dee was talking about there? Yeah, I mean, I think from we've tried to raise this before with the conservative governments in federal parliament at the moment, and there seems to be this perception that it's almost taboo to be able to even say, you know, this they have to be looking for work or else it's just not legitimate. And the fact that they're talking about putting old um, people on the pension on the in-due card, which is meaning that you're not trusted with your own money and you have to... They've, they've rolled it out in, as part of the intervention in lots of Aboriginal communities for the last 10 years, and it's terrible. It's truly, truly terrible. And this whole idea that the pension is welfare as opposed to something that basically taxpayers who have worked their whole lives are kind of entitled to... Um, it's a shift in our thinking and I think it's really hard to shift the federal government from this con- concept. Um, and, yeah, I mean, where do you start with these people? Uh, I, sorry. I think <laughs> I very strongly disagree. Um, the pension is welfare. The pension has always been welfare. It's always been part of our welfare system. Um, this, this new idea that the pension isn't welfare because welfare is bad and the pension is good, I think that's part of the, the like... The, the the horrific neoliberal ideologies of uh, of you know bootstrapping and doll bludging that mm. uh, the, the Herald Sun likes to circulate to to support the Liberal government and, and you know the ALP is not much better you know I'd love to see an opposition that would actually commit to a tangible increase in the you know to a to a number increase in the in unemployment benefits uh, I Shane, think, Shane, yeah. Shane Shane yeah. Shane Shane okay I'll, I'll pause go ahead. I started work at 13 and a half. Yep. I worked till I was 58. Mm-hmm. And I just think I deserve a pension. You 100%. Know, after all the taxes I paid and that, you know. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I don't think it's welfare. I think it's, you know, it's something well, I deserve. But why is welfare yeah. a bad word? Why is welfare oh, bad? Well, it's not, it's not a bad word for me, but a lot of people, it has got stigma for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah, so I think that we should be working to destigmatize the whole idea of welfare, which so many people yeah. need. Um, yeah, you know, sure. there's no stigma attached to, to corporate tax breaks, but when, uh, when when workers in need receive welfare, that's when it's considered stigmatised. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's it's the term welfare that's got the stigma rather than the concept. But um, yeah, yeah, I totally take your point, both of you. I think that's true. But I just I just the really wrong you know, hit the heartstrings when you're hearing from Dee about just the humiliation and and just and you know, that's, yeah. a, that's another thing too, Fiona. There's so many hidden secrets about yeah. all these things, you know. 
why has she not been told about if she does volunteer work 30 hours a week or something, that she gets she can overcome all that garbage, you know? She doesn't have to go applying for jobs or anything, you know? And I've got friend, a couple of friends that are doing that, you know, but they had to find out the hard way. Yeah. This, this is able, you know, I mean, they were writing diaries. They were, you know, applying for, you know, jobs that they knew that they were never going to get and didn't want anyway, you know. Mm. And now, now that's all alleviated because why not tell people this, you know, go out and do some, and, you know, volunteers run this bloody country. So, you know, sorry about the swearing, but, you know. <laughs> uh, I think they've heard but, word, worse words on our show before. <laughs> Probably worth mentioning here a couple of places people can get some more information about their rights if they're dealing with Centrelink. Um, so yeah. there's the Legal Centre, the Social Security Rights Victoria. Um, they can give yeah. us some advice about your rights. And there's also the Australian Unemployed Workers Union who do a lot of organising uh, and right. be able to help people out with some some useful information as well. Uh, so right. I, I'm just going to say again, this will be in the show notes. I, I'm saying all this because I know that Fiona will be the one doing the show notes today. I'm so never going to remember all of she's this. Just going to have to. Well, you're going to have to. <laughs> Okay, so the last, the final clip that we have from our highlights reel is um, is, Ka- is Caitlin from the Victorian Public Tenants Association, and okay. um, she is talking about the the implications of the announcement of the big housing build, which is the Victorian government's kind of flagship $5.1 billion of um, government spending on housing. Um, of course, it's not on public housing. It's on, it's on community housing, which although the sector and everyone's really excited about this, this, um, this announcement, which of course is great compared to every other state in the country, um, we did have some reservations around the lack of support for public housing and so we got Caitlin on to talk about that. So we'll go to that clip now. So what the Big Housing Bill does deliver is lots of new social housing properties. And although lots of them are going to be owned by the government, our understanding is that they're all going to be managed by the community housing industry. And whilst we need community housing, our view is that we don't just need community housing. We need both community housing and public housing. And we especially need public housing because it's, the rents are often more affordable than in community housing and community housing find themselves in a very difficult situation where they can't always house the people who are most vulnerable and who have the lowest levels of income because those very low incomes make it difficult for community housing providers to cover their own costs. So that's why we need public housing to grow as well as community housing to make sure that nobody gets left behind. We're hearing a lot of concern I think a lot of people who live in public housing are, you know, beyond the big housing bill, just generally quite concerned about the seeming policy shift. Uh, There's a lot of concern about what looks to people who live in public housing as a desire to scale back public housing and eventually shift all social housing through to the community housing industry. Uh, So that's a perception that is really worrying to a lot of people who live in public housing. But having said that, there are good things that come out of the big housing build. And as you mentioned, more money for upgrades and much-needed maintenance are one of those things. Another really great thing is additional properties for people from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander backgrounds, additional properties for people dealing with mental ill health. 
and some other really important focus areas that are being delivered through the big housing build as well. So it's not all bad, um, but we do have this very particular concern that there seems to be no growth coming in public housing, which is really worrying. So that was Caitlin from the Victorian Public Tenants Association talking about public housing and of course that issue is close to the hearts of all of us at HAG and we continue to be involved in the various public consultations around the big housing build and the 10-year affordable housing strategy. Um, our latest newsletter has a bit of a rant about Homes Victoria and who's actually sitting behind that. Well, I wonder whose rant that was. I don't know whose rant that was. It was a bit of an anonymous rant. Um, so, yeah, you can check out our website, which is oldertenants.org.au, which has all of that information and our submissions. Um, you can listen back to the episodes in full if you're interested. Um, and, yeah, that's about all we have time for this year. Oh my God, this year. It's the this end of the year. year. Shane, do you want to tell the listeners about um, what's happening with the HAG office over Chrissy? Sure. So the HAG office is going to close down or at least uh, sort of reduce itself. Reduce itself. It sounds like it's shrinking physically um, between uh, over the holiday period. So we're going to close at 3 p.m. on the 24th on Christmas Eve. And we'll open up again at 9am on the 4th of January. That's the first business day in the new year. Um, if you do need to get in touch with us during that time, you can leave a message and we'll, uh, we'll have some staff checking the messages, uh, able to get back to people if there's something urgent. But yeah, re reduce staffing during those hours. If you do want to give us a call, uh, either you know now in that break uh, or in the new year, the numbers you can call us on are 9654 seven three eight nine um, especially if you want to get in touch about some of the policy issues that we've been talking about today uh, or if you want to get in touch because you're an older victorian with a housing uh, problem that you want to talk to someone about best number is one three hundred seven six five one seven eight you can also check out our website oldertenants.org.au uh, or check us out on facebook or twitter uh, all those good social media uh, not good <laughs> not good all those terrible social media places yeah, so thanks so much for your year, Shane and Pam. Um, we're going to go out now with a song. It's called, appropriately, uh, Christmas Eve by Archie Roach. Well, you know, it's not that appropriate because it's like four days after Christmas when people hear this. No, no, it's, it's soon. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Bye. Happy New Year. That time of year has come around. When everybody treats you like a friend The song of joy is heard throughout the land Yet people just don't seem to understand I see a man who's beating up his wife Someone else has taken their own life The policemen are breaking up a fight Silent night Holy night An old young man is sleeping in the fire